I heard something on a podcast the other day, and I was like, man, I wish I would have made that up. And that is the phrase, we learn by doing things poorly. I mean, for me, my first real kiss was in Springfield Roller Rink. I was probably 14 or 15. Sandy Goldsmith and I had been going together. That's what we called it back then. And well, when you're going together, you're supposed to find a secluded place in a dark, stanky roller rink, and then you jam your tongue down each other's faces. And my attempt was so bad that I actually pulled back and said, let's try that again. And so today I'm going to share a story where I was pushed so far out of my comfort zone as I did five minutes of stand-up comedy, and I'm going to explain this, how it can benefit you in podcasting. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, I help you launch, I help you grow, and if you want to, monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com, and if you use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up, that'll save on either a monthly or yearly subscription, and that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. This is episode 908, and as I mentioned, we're going to talk about, like, how do I get the nerve to actually put out a podcast because I'm sitting here wetting my pants, Dave. And I'm here to say that you are stronger than you think. I mean, I mentioned my first kiss. I remember my driveway was flat and then it went down a very steep hill. And so when my brother was pushing me, I'd taken off the training wheels and I finally got my balance. I then had to learn quickly how to use the brakes on the bike as well without falling over. But the first time uh, driving uh, back, I was driving. My my parents kept basically buying yachts with wheels, these big Dodge cars that were like they took up the entire lane. I was constantly felt like I was driving on the sidewalk or driving alone. The first time you get on the freeway, that makes you feel very uncomfortable. And recently I spoke at the, I think it's called the podcast show in London. It was a great time. And a bunch of us were in the hotel together and we would take the train to the event every day together. Well, I stayed one day longer. So the last day, I mean, I felt like I was six years old when I got off the train. I was like, I rode the train all by myself because I was out of my comfort zone. I was afraid I was going to get out and they're like, Dude, you're in Scotland. What you you didn't get off at this or that. So again, I was very uncomfortable, but I got through it. And so there are a couple things here. I want to recommend a book. It's from my friend Chris Kermitsos. He's the guy behind Podfest. And it's called Start Ugly. And it's really what we're talking about today. And so what happened was my friend, Dr. Brad Miller, was launching a show. It's called Cancer and Comedy. You can find it at cancerandcomedy.com. And he thought what he would do was do a podcast workshop. And he asked me, he's a member of the School of Podcasting, and he said, would you want to drive to Indianapolis, which is probably, I don't know, four or five hours from where I am in Akron, Ohio, would you want to come put on a workshop? 
And I'm like, wait, you want me to come talk about podcasting? You don't have to twist my arm very hard. And I was like, absolutely. And so I went on over and then he decided that that evening, so the workshop was during the day. And then in the evening, he was going to have a comedy show. And this guy, Rick Roberts, who's a very funny comedian, does a spot on, for those of us that remember Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show, very funny guy, was going to do stand-up. And Brad said, oh, by the way, would you be interested in like being the opening act for Rick? And I was like, like comedy stuff? He goes, yeah, you're pretty entertaining. And I'm like, well, I will be like plan C, maybe plan K, but I really don't think you should put me as a plan B. And he said, well, no, you, you're like plan A at this point. And I like to help people. And my buddy Brad needed some help. And people tell me, Dave, you're entertaining. And I've, uh, I've made people laugh in the past. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll just take parts. I have a podcast. It's very strange called Building a Better Dave. And occasionally I have content on there that's just ever so slightly risky. Like the time I wondered what Frosty really was doing with a broomstick in his hand on the way to the village. You know, I once did a rant about if Amish people don't have electricity, then what would Amish porn sound like? Yeah, very, again, very strange. And I'm like, you know, I can pull some of that stuff out. And then Brad said six words that would uh, make this even more of a challenge. He said, oh, by the way, you need to keep it clean. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's in a church. Great. Awesome. Okay. So the first rule, and this applies to podcasting, is to know who your audience is and kind of what they want. Well, I had no idea who my audience was, but I did know they wanted to laugh. And so I had no idea. And I really wouldn't know who my audience was until they walked in the door that evening. And on one hand, I felt I should have started working on this the minute Brad asked. But instead, I started working on it off and on about two weeks before that. And that was really just brainstorming in my head going, do you think this would work? Do you think this would work? I actually started practicing the night before. And that's when I actually wrote down some ideas and I performed them to a mirror in the hotel room. And I'm timing it. I'm working on my timing. I'm trying to figure out, does this flow? Things like that. And what I ended up doing is I had been asked to speak at a high school reunion not too long ago. And that talk went over pretty decent. I mean, there's always a clunker every now and then. But for the most part, it went over well. I had people who would tell me the truth said that was really good. And this event in Indianapolis was a cancer fundraiser. And the talk that I gave at my high school reunion was about surviving because there are people that I went to school with that are no longer with us. And so it meant for people in their 50s, this would make sense. But if I walked in and this comedy crowd was a bunch of kids in their 20s and 30s, they're not going to get any of my jokes. And I was like, well, sometimes you just lean into your strength. And so I performed my little five-minute set over and over and over to the mirror, timing it every time, making sure it was five minutes or less. And the goal was not to memorize it. 
but just to get this mental map in my head as to what to say next. And when I speak at conferences, if you ever see me speak, I always have slides, but I don't typically have words on slides. I just have pictures. And those pictures trigger what I'm supposed to say. Well, there aren't any slides when you're doing stand up comedy. And so here again, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm like, can I do this? I can, I'm, you know, and I tried again. I tried again. And I was really getting frustrated as I would do the routine. And then I'd realize, oh, I forgot to say that one thing. And I would do it again, uh, once with notes on my phone, and then once again without the notes. And eventually I got it. And I was like, all right, this is either going to work or it's not. And so the next day between the conference and the comedy show, again, I would do this in my head. And I started thinking about how I could add some physical elements because I had the basement. I had the jokes. But what can I do physically to make this a little more animated? I didn't just want to stand at a mic and, and talk. So I kind of added that to it. And so it comes time to do the stand-up. And Brad has to introduce me. And he stopped by and he asked me, he's like, how you doing? And to which I I said, well, I love you because he's the guy that gave me the opportunity. And I hate you because I am so far out of my comfort zone, like miles, miles or many, many kilometers to my friends across the pond. Like I had watched a good friend of mine when I was growing up who I thought was funny go to an amateur night at a local comedy club and he just tanked. He, ju- he finally kind of pulled it out by making fun of himself. And I thought he was funny. And he said, man, it's so different up there. He goes, you, you think you're funny and wait till you get up there. And I was picturing people kind of going, you know, with their arms crossed, like, okay, funny boy, make me laugh. Dance, monkey, dance. Right. And I, so I walked backstage so Brad could uh, introduce me. And if I had a guitar in my hand, I would have been as cool as a cucumber. I've played in front of outdoor crowds of at least a thousand people. I've led classes for decades teaching technology. I try to be as entertaining as I teach to people. I always called it edutainment. But this was all funny and no teaching. I mean, if I had a computer screen, I could have done a great five minutes on pivot tables in Excel. It wouldn't have made them laugh, but they would have been like, I'm going to try that when I get home. But that's what I remembered, something that was important that helped me kind of calm down. Because literally at this point, my body was going through so many emotions that I didn't know what I was feeling. And that was, this was five minutes. Five minutes. There are times when I do a 20-minute talk that feels like it went by in five minutes. So five minutes is going to go by in a blink. And so I just kept telling myself, it's only five minutes. I knew I would get at least one laugh, but I was kind of worried because I didn't want to embarrass Brad. I didn't want people going, man, Brad, who was that first guy? He stunk up the joint. And I tried to kind of give myself a pep talk. Uh, You know, people tell me that I make them laugh all the time. I've grown up making people laugh. One of my earliest memories was my mother had me go with my brother. He was going to go ice skating at the end of our street. And I was probably four years old. And my brother had me say something very inappropriate for four years old. And his friends just lost it. And I was like, huh, if you make people laugh, 
they might like you. And so in junior high, if I could make people laugh, then maybe they wouldn't punch me so hard in the arm that I'd go flying into lockers. When I was growing up, my mom would be in the kitchen, and when someone would come up in the driveway, she'd say something to my brother and sister, be like, hey, Kathy, your ride's here. Hey, Doug, your ride's here. Hey, Dave, your ride's here. And so speaking of being uncomfortable, when my mom died, there is that moment where just the family is in the room with an open casket. It's the most, it just, it's so uncomfortable and it's just weird. It's tense. You don't know what to say. And so I walked over to the window in the funeral home and there was the hearse. And I said out loud, Hey mom, your ride's here. And it cut the tension like a knife. Like, are we allowed to laugh in a funeral home? I guess so. And it it helped recently. My 94-year-old aunt fell and broke her back, and she takes a look and keeps on ticking. She was in the hospital, and she's there with my cousins, her kids, right? She broke her back, and so I walked in and said, okay, who stepped on a crack? Because I don't know if you've ever heard that saying, step on a crack, break your mother's back. And again, they all busted into laughing. So my aunt still comes up to me occasionally and goes, I'm, that was so funny. I'm so glad you did that, because it was a tense moment. So I've made people laugh in the past. I'm telling myself, I'm trying to give myself a pep talk. And so I, here I am in the back and I'm waiting for Brad to introduce me. And it's hard to explain. It really is. Cause I just felt like my body was going to explode. Like I just didn't know what was happening. I had all these feelings inside and I just couldn't figure out what I was feeling. I mean, I, I somewhat felt, like I said, like I was going to explode, like it just, just like a pressure cooker. And one of my earliest performance in public was in elementary school. I sang in a choir and the minute the last note of the last song was sung, I ran to the side of the stage and did the Technicolor yawn into a trash can. And so no matter what kind of prep talk I tried to give myself, I just sat there frozen backstage pacing and that's when I did something. And this is where I think you can, you can be helped with this. I embrace the uncomfortableness. I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I got to remember this. My friend and I have a phrase for this. We call it a brain tattoo. So if I'm doing something that's really cool and you're just having this magical moment with your, your family, let's say I will just take a quick look around and just try to take a snapshot in my brain of that memory. And I was like, I am so uncomfortable. I need to remember how this feels because I know there are new podcasters that feel just like this. And I was like, don't forget this. Do not forget this feeling. You can use this in the future as a teacher. And then, dear listener, I thought of you, which was great. Because it stopped me from focusing on how pale and sweaty my hands were. And the key here is, don't focus on the audience. And instead, think about that one person who needs to hear your podcast. Because I knew, standing backstage, that this was going to be a podcast episode eventually. I just knew it. And by focusing on you... And when I say you, I mean you listening right now. It 
brought it back from I'm going to explode. I don't know how I feel to wow, I'm really uncomfortable. And I can deal with okay, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to explode was a little much. And I just kept telling myself, this is five minutes. I can do five minutes. And besides, as we say at the School of Podcasting, tell them, Ryan. No one will punch you in the face. And I guess I should add, unless you're Chris Rock. But I thought about it. Integrity-wise, how can I, on a weekly basis, get on this microphone to tell you to jump into podcasting? The water's, you know, it's fine. Jump on in. I'll catch you. And not do this. I just couldn't get, even if you never knew that I did this, I was like, no, no, I have to eat my, I have to drink my own Kool-Aid. And so as often as I say this is a joke, but it's not really a joke, you'll either have a great podcast when you try to start one or a great story about the time you started a podcast. And so I was going to have a story about that time when I got up on stage and did stand up and had a good set. Or that time when I totally bombed on stage, and the truth is, I kind of fell in the middle. And I know you're probably sitting there going, can we just hear the set? Yes. So I was originally going to play this and interrupt it, and and just go crazy on all the stuff that drove me nuts about this, stuff that I would do differently. And I'm going to do that at the end, just to kind of let all you right. hear this. Well, you already, you already met uh, our uh, comedian here tonight. His name is Dave Jackson. He's our announcer. He's also a personal friend of mine. He was a part of a podcasting conference we had here in this space earlier in the, in the day. He is, uh, has a podcast called The School of Podcasting, uh, where, and he is a podcasting hall of famer. And he also has another podcast called Building a Better Dave, which is about helping his life get better. And I just know him to be a naturally guy with a big heart. He is very involved with his own local church. He's very involved with helping people in all, all kinds of ways. And uh, he's got a great sense of humor. So will you welcome Dave Jackson. Oh, thank you, Brad. Uh, I was laughing because it says comedian. I'm really more of a storyteller, but let's not split hairs. But uh, the fun thing is, anybody here getting old? I'm getting old. Anybody else? Good. All right. You'll you'll relate to this. I went to my 40-year high school reunion, which is always fun. But they, they always like to start off things fun as well by reading the names of everyone who's died right before dinner. That's always fun. So I'm sitting at dinner, and I'm like, hey, congratulations on not making the list. Okay, great. But it got me to thinking, I have survived a lot. And I mean, it's hard to even think this now. He said with his notes in his hand, right? We can't leave our phone anywhere. I grew up with one phone. It was on the wall. Do you guys remember this? And it had this like weird beehive of a cable that if you pulled it, you could almost get to the bathroom, but not quite. It had one ringtone, only one ringtone, hard to believe. We called it the phone. (laughs) And then this is even weirder. I I thought about this the other day. First of all, it was weird. My family was sitting down around, you know, dinner time, right? We're eating supper and the phone would ring. And my brother and my sister and I, it was like a WWE match. We're like, Just to answer the phone. Today you can't get anybody to answer the phone. And we're like body slamming each other. I got it. 
Oh, it's for mom. Never mind. Okay. So that we, we survived with one phone. Have you been to a, a playground lately? There's nothing to play on. There's, there's no merry-go-rounds, right? Because those were just kind of a weird vomit, comet kind of thing going on. And then teeter-totters, those were the best, right? You just put your little sister on it, like, just sit there and... No more teeter-totter. All right, all right. Um, or the favorite, right? Do you guys remember? It'd be like out in the sun, no shade whatsoever. You're climbing up the slide, burning your hands on the hot thing as you get to the top, and then you go to slide down this thing, and it's just... Ah, ah, ah. Although you're just ripping off layers of skin, being sautéed as you go down the slide. And yet we survived. Does anybody here... We always talk about cassette tapes, and then we talk about CDs, and everybody forgets the one beforehand. Does anybody remember what was there? Eight tracks. And I always want to go, who said, that's great, keep it? Because you'd be rocking out to like your dad's Neil Diamond, right? He's like, everywhere around the world, they come into America, right? And then all of a sudden the music would just start to fade out, and you're like, hey, what, what happened? And then, kukunk today and you're like, I missed the whole song like what a, and I always want to go who said yeah that's good nobody will notice honest and then when you think about audio I always want to know who went okay you guys remember the fax machine right first it's like beep, boop, boop, boop. Oh, gotta dial nine first sorry nine okay beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. and then it's like and I was just like who said oh that's great perfect her, whoever came up with that, keep it. Like, not like a fun chime or a... Be- Doesn't work. Never took it. And then I survived. My grandpa had this beautiful backyard. And he had this awesome horseshoe pit. Or as we called it, ow, you broke my ankle pit. Right? And, and the children, finally something the children weren't allowed to do. So what did we get? Do you guys remember these? We got lawn darts. Let's take a three-inch metal spike, put some plastic, you know, wings on it, and just throw it at each other. I was like, hey, you know, Uncle Jim, let's go play lawn darts. He's like, no, it's all right. I already played today, right? He's already got one on the foot. It's no good. And I was thinking, especially now with technology, right, we have DoorDash now because, like, we're not fat enough. We can't get off the couch to have... We have to have our food brought to us now. And... I was so happy to hear you guys used to have Chi-Chi's. The restaurant, remember the Mexican restaurant? They were great until they, you know, accidentally poisoned somebody, right? That's always kind of a bummer if you're a restaurant. But do you guys remember the birthday celebration? They don't do these at restaurants anymore. Because it'd be, and it was like on cue, right? Because you know, all you had to say was like, hey, it's Marge's birthday. And like they would come jumping out of the kitchen and they're already, they're like, you know, and you're like, people come from they're like and then they had this weird like call and response they'd be like hey it's your birthday and then it'd be like guys in the back going birthday fill it up with joy joy you know we're glad you're here with this oh boy oh boy oh boy well when I was 17 out with my friends doing what stupid 17 year old boys do one of our favorite things to do was let's say Chi Chi's closed at like 11 we would go in about 10.40, right? And we'd sit down, they're like, can we get you guys something to drink? And we'd be like, uh, I'll take a Coke. Oh, and by the way, it's Mike's birthday again. <laughs> so you always got the happy Chi Chi people at lunch, 
But now it's like 20 minutes to close, so they come barreling out of the kitchen now. Hey, everybody. It's Mike's birthday. Hey, it's your birthday. Birthday. Shoot me in the head. Kill me. I should have gone to college. I wish I was dead. All right, thank you. Good night. All right. So... That's all I got before. And that's all I had. Clocking in at six minutes now that I look at the tape, but that's why when I do presentations, I almost always leave extra room because I add things while I'm on stage. Things come to me. And I started off today by saying, we learn by doing things poorly. And as I listened back, I was like, man, the eight-track tape and the fax machine joke, that was pretty silent. I was like, okay. But you learn by doing things poorly. The other thing that I'm kind of mad about it, it, but it's live. I practiced so I wouldn't have to use my phone on stage. And then at the last minute, I'll pop the phone like a crutch. And then I started off with not an apology, but kind of like trying to set those expectations. Little imposter syndrome comes in there. Hey, I'm not really a comedian. I'm more of a storyteller. Yeah, that's, wait, no, it's not a good way to start. And so as I listen to the, the other one, as I listen to, there's a joke there about a slide. And I go, do you remember it was sitting out in the hot sun? You remember the thing? Well, no, Dave, they don't remember the thing. Had I said, you remember that hot metal slide sitting out in the sun? People might have gotten it when I started making slide noises, but I didn't till the very end go, yeah, the slide. I'm like, yeah, that's why that didn't get a laugh. Nobody knew what I was talking about. They were just like, why is the overweight middle-aged white guy going ah, ah, on stage? Yeah. We learn by doing things poorly. Some of that worked. The teeter-totter joke you couldn't see, but I, I put my little sister on one and then I pretended to put my foot on the other side of the teeter-totter and launch her into next week. That one actually worked. And that's the one that made me laugh. I was like, yeah, that'll work. Now I'm not going to do this now, but I thought about it was taking that little six minute clip and editing out the stuff that didn't really work. That's the magic of podcasting. You take a conversation if you're doing interviews and you edit out the boring stuff. So people think you're brilliant. If you're a regular listener to the show, you might be thinking, Dave sounds weird today. It's because Dave has a cold. And what you're not hearing is my noise gate doesn't always catch everything now because I'm breathing louder. I'm doing things like, which is a phenomenal noise. If I do say so myself, that's being edited out. You can make yourself sound brilliant. So if you're worried about sounding stupid, the only way you will sound stupid is if you release something where you sound stupid. And so what I didn't do in this case that maybe I should have, I did run it by one group, right? I ran it in front of my high school reunion. And before I did that, I ran it in front of two friends that I went to high school with. And so you can get feedback from people. And I got feedback at the high school reunion that that eight track tape joke was way too long and not much of a punchline, and yet I did it anyway. So you do have to actually listen to the feedback and maybe go, you know, put that ego aside and go, no, no, I really think this is funny, only to have yourself go, yeah, not really. 
it's one of, it's a thinking joke. You go, Hey, that is right. Who would, who would go? Yeah. Keep that. We don't care if we lose half the song while you change the channel, but I kept it. And this is a classic example of my fear of looking stupid. I just, I worked on it to where I was like, I think this will be okay. And so my fear came down a little bit, but my urge to serve my friend Brad and make him proud that he brought me over, I was like, I really want this. That's that's what I focused on. How can I make this good? Not so much, how can I stop from looking stupid? It is a little different. When, you're, when your need to serve is greater than your fear of looking stupid, you will press record and you'll show up and do six minutes of stand-up that is oh, all right. <laughs> so keep that in mind. And remember, focus on that one person. And don't get hung up on the audience. Because when you first start off, you, you don't have one. And in just a second, I'm going to share some more insights into how you can kind of rub out, kind of erase some of that uncomfortableness so that you have the confidence to press record. One way to not feel so uncomfortable when you're trying something new is to have somebody guide you. And I realize just saying that you're like, oh, Dave's just going to do a pitch. And I get that because that's what I do. But let me give you an example. I started using a really great live streaming tool called Ecamm Live. I was using StreamYard. If I wasn't on a Mac, I'd still be using StreamYard. But Ecamm has just a little more icing on that cake. And really, do I need that much icing? I don't know. I like icing. And so I started using Ecamm. And then I have been off and on over the years using a thing called a stream deck, which basically is a little box that you can program a button that when I hit that, it will automatically do this, then that, and then this. And so when you combine these two, you can really make some pretty interesting uh, just workflows. And so I was kind of fuddling through and look, Ecamm doesn't have really much of a learning curve. They have tons of information. They have a great YouTube channel. And But I just kind of wanted somebody to sit down and walk through the whole thing. And so I found this guy called Alec Johnson, and he's really good. And I, I looked at it, and he has a university, much like I do. And he has multiple courses. And two of those courses were, you guessed it, Ecamm Live and Stream Deck. And I looked at it, and it's $159 a month. And I was like, hmm. Because I don't know about you, when $159 leaves my wallet, I kind of feel that. And I looked at it, and then I just wanted to see something. So I went to my, I, one of the colleges I went to here in Ohio was Stark State College. I would start there, and then I would finish my degree at the University of Akron. And I would do that because Stark State was cheaper. So I looked at the cheap school and it's $195 an hour per credit hour. Plus, they're going to do $70 on a background check, $5 per hour on a distance learning fee, a security and maintenance fee of $35, a $95 processing fee. And that's really just part of them. And we haven't even gotten to books yet. And so suddenly, the $159 a month, yes, I still feel that when it goes out of my wallet, but not like if I was paying you know $500 for whatever. And I am 
committed to learning this now because every month 159 bucks is going to come out of my wallet and I'm going through these courses and what it's doing because I'm using these tools live every Saturday. And the first time I did it, it was kind of embarrassing. And today it was better. And I've, I keep practicing because that's really how you get better, right? How do you learn things by doing them poorly? And so uh, every Friday night, I go through and I practice and I play. And then when it comes live, most of it works, but there's always like, oh, that didn't do that last night. And so if you're trying to learn something and you're just like, I just want somebody to hold my hand through this process. That is one of the things I do at the school of podcasting along with the other members of the school of podcasting. But we can, I have one guy, he finally uh, is now kind of, uh, if this was a baby, he's up and walking. But for probably the first six weeks, we met every Monday. And that's what I do. And I do not charge, nothing against Alex, I don't charge $159 a month. I charge much less than that. And that's why many members of the School of Podcasting go, Dave, you, you really need to raise your rates. And I'm kind of selfish. I like to help people. And I try to make enough to where I'm paying the bills and I've got my taxes under control. And uh, I do have a, a full-time day job as well. And I really just like to help podcasters. So if you're interested in that, come and see me, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. In case you missed it, it's time for a podcast rewind. I was on episode 16 of Tell Me How You're Mighty. That is an infidelity survival kind of podcast. So I was there talking about my unfortunate, I have been married twice, I'm divorced, I'm not dating, and uh, but my first wife cheated on me, and apparently it's weird that guys are open to talk about it, but I'm not. I want everybody to learn from my mistakes as much as their own. Here's a quick clip. I'm really curious about your trajectory, Dave, because like this is a pretty hard knock story here. I mean, you went through chumptum, you went through yeah. bankruptcy, and now it's like, what is it, 2023, and you know... You're in a, a hall of fame here and you've, you've built a whole other career in podcasting. How did that come to be? So you, you took these big knocks and then you rebuilt. I mean, you, you rebuilt your life in a pretty major way. I think part of it is it, one of the things that really puts gas in my tank, for lack of a better phrase, because I'm a teacher, is helping people. Yeah. And so when that marriage was over is when I launched the school of podcasting and I, it was, I'd seen so many things kind of go by and you're like, Oh, I, I should think about that. And then go by and I'm like, Oh, I, I missed it. And then another one come by. Mm -hmm. And so this just showed up in my lap and I was like, you know, I've seen all these other things. I think I can help people on a global scale. Let's start a podcast. And it wasn't easy in the first day. So that's just something I think I've always done. I'm, I've never read the book, but I know there's like different people types. I'm definitely a people pleaser which can be good and kind of bad. And it's it's funny because as we think, because people are like, well, are you dating anybody? And I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that. And so there's a voice in my head that goes, so are you are you not dating people because you're too busy or did you make yourself too busy so you can't date? And I was like, ah, that's an interesting question. I will have links to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 908. I almost feel like I need to do a disclaimer. They don't do much editing, and if you ever wonder that, wow, Dave sounds perfect on the mic, that's because I edit myself. So if you want to hear an unedited, um, version, um, of, um, Dave, 
you can go listen to that episode. It's an interesting conversation. We learn by doing things poorly. I mean, last week I burned some toast. I I thought I had that down, but nope, I had it set for a muffin and just burned it to a crisp. We bounce checks on occasion. We stub our toe. We accidentally brush our teeth with that anti-itching cream. That's always fun. And I had people ask me if I'm going to start going to amateur nights at comedy clubs. And the answer for now is no. Like everything else, it, it takes time. And I would run my set by some friends before getting on stage again. Uh, I played my guitar at a Libsyn party. And my boss came up to me afterwards and he said, how did you get that good? Like, how do you do that? And I said, I played the guitar three hours a day for at least five years. And many, many, I've been doing it since I was, I don't know, 12. So it's been a while. I still play a little every day. And I just don't have that kind of time to devote to some sort of comedy career. The next thing I want to do more of is writing books in 2024. But right now I get my creative itches. I get them scratched by podcasting. And when I can, I try to make my show entertaining. And so the goal of this episode was to set expectations and to help you kind of step out of your body for a second. When we know we're going to be uncomfortable and that feeling comes upon us, embrace it because you're about to learn something that can help you as a person. Don't run from it, run into it with your sight solely focused on the lessons on the other side. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. I help podcasters. It's what I do. And if you want more episodes of this show, it's super simple. They're free. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. And uh, that's how you're going to start, really. And uh, forget about the audience. And think about that one person. Oops, Dave forgot to turn off the uh, echo button. Hello, echo. And in just a minute, I'm going to have some more tips on how you can take something that makes you super uncomfortable. Uh, Crap. Nothing better when you're a podcaster to lose your voice. I sound like Darth Vader. (sighs) Ah. Why? Why has my voice forsaken me? Look, I can't even do that. I couldn't even do a good Seinfeld right now. What's wrong with these people? I just, there's nothing there. There's, I have deep voice, Dave, and that's it. Can you do the dice, man? Oh, no, not really. Nothing. It's just, it's just gravel and deepness. Ugh. And I really, I've been looking so forward to this episode, and I just got nothing in the voice department.